Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the Sith Taker Snapshots podcast. I'm your host again today, slightly under the weather but getting better, Richard Polly. And joining me is um, in and out because he's on childcare duties, <laughs> Ben Hibbert. Hello there. Um, come across very Irish, didn't it? Like I was trying to do an accent but really badly. You just sounded a bit Sean Connery there as well, accent. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Do you know when um, a bunch of books fell down and hit Sean Connery on the head, he only had a shelf to blame? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think where that was going before he did it. <laughs> I'm out. I'm saying a bit. You won't be missed. Okay, since he can't keep himself quiet, also joining us is the second best thing to come out of boarding from. It's Liam Baker. Bonjour. Uh, can um, I just point out that whenever you did the intro, you said, welcome to the latest episode. But if I listened to an episode a year ago... It's not the latest episode. Yeah, but... I was about to kick Liam out of this chat. Can I still do it? Whatever I say, <laughs> whatever I say won't date. It's why we don't put dates on things, so that whenever you listen to them, you're listening to the most recent episode that we've recorded. Anyway... Hello there. Welcome to the 30th of the first. <laughs> I, I remember at the start, they did say, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Sith Taker Snapshots podcast, and I was like, yeah, I can't be bothered with remembering what number we're on. It's fine. Well, we just made it up when we wanted it to be the 186 anyway. That is true. It was one, we were on 182 or something, but we just said it's the 186 one because <laughs> got it wrong. Anyway, um, also joining us today is the best thing to come out of Boarding Brum, Liam's usual minder, and the person we actually look forward to seeing when they turn up at Element. It's Adam Freeman. Hello, mate. Hi there. though. I was I was just trying to count how many insults I threw at Liam in the introduction to Adam, and I think I got four. So I'll do that. That's okay. Rookie numbers. Okay. <laughs> you pump those numbers up. Need <laughs> <laughs> to have five hundred pound lunches and do more cocaine. It'll be fine. Get on the Bolivian marching powder. Let's do I'll, it. I'll come with you. What's <laughs> <laughs> it? Who's the um? Who's the? the is it? It's Matthew McConaughey in. Um, yeah. yeah. What movie is it though? Wolf of Wall, 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 Wall Street, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know the meme, but I was just trying to remember the movie, and my brain was not functioning. So anyway, hello, welcome. Anyway, Adam, this is your first time on the podcast, so it's been too long. We should have had you on before, but um, Liam kept telling know. us that you were a loser and he didn't want you to come on. So yeah, that's right. Sorry, I'm just trying to break up a lifelong friendship, but it's not going to work, is it? Because you know, no. <laughs> It's a lifelong well, we friendship. Know. It's, it's still death do us part. It's <laughs> right. collection in my house, so no. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've we've got plenty to talk about today. Actually, we've not got any new content from AMG, but we are all on the wind up into both the Sith Taker open and then in a couple of months, Worlds is happening in, in at Adepticon in Chicago. So, um, it's a, it's all kind of heading into hyper-competitive season, which is something that I've missed from um, from X-Wing. Uh, I'm a bit jealous at the moment, I will admit, because I'm not going to Worlds and I'm not getting to play in the Sith Taker Open, so everybody's prepping up for two big tournaments coming up um, at the minute. And, oh, uh, for what I'm talking about Worlds, isn't it? Well, I don't mind the Worlds chat because I could oh, take no, that. If I, was, if I was doing the STO, I'd be fine, but because I'm running it, I'm not playing in it. Anyway... Talking Absolutely about people who are disconnected. <laughs> so myself and Sean, who's the treasurer of the Sith Takers, because we're an official group and we've got a treasurer and a secretary and all sorts of things. I'm a secretary. Um, you are the secretary. You don't do anything. That's why There's you stood for a to do right now. <laughs> um, so we, we, um, 
we sat down and we we ran the numbers on the Sith Taker Open and we realised that because we'd sold out, which we weren't expecting to do, where we'd been being quite frugal with prize support and stuff like that, oh, right, last time. as much as we could, <laughs> like last time, um, we've ended up selling more tickets than last time. We're going to have a bigger event than last time. I could have afforded to get another lightsaber and I could have even maybe done two lightsabers for this one, but it's fine. Um, oh. We'll maybe do that for next time. But anyway, we went up to Smith's Toy Superstores, which for anybody in the uh, not UK is basically a smaller version of Toys R Us, but they didn't go bankrupt um, a couple of years ago, <laughs> which Toys R Us did. Um, and Smith's Toy Superstores have an amazing Lego aisle. It's basically full of middle-aged men using their children as an excuse. And we sank more money than is entirely reasonable on Lego, which I brought back into my house, carried it through the door, was treated like a hail, hailed like a conquering hero by my son because <laughs> the first things he saw was the clone pack that he really wanted and something else that he really wanted. And as he reached up to pick it up, I said, these are not for you. These are for people at the Sith Taker Open. And he went, <gasps> so... There you go. I've made children sad. But what these Lego sets are going to be for is bracket bracket prices. So trench run is going to be for the King of Swiss. So that's the that's the most that's the most. Well, no, to be honest, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put them on the table. I'm going to call the King of Swiss up and say, which of these sets do you want? There is a value order. (laughs) So the trench run is the most costly. Then whatever down to the little micro fighter um a tenor and it's like you can pick one you pick it for the minifigure pick it for the set pick it for whatever you want if the king of swiss doesn't pick the the trench run they might pick the next set um then yeah anyway so the king of swiss and then the top of each of the brackets is going to be able to pick a a lego set which i think is quite nice because it means that there's still a reason for people who have been doing well but won't make cut to continue try harding basically so the best four and one while also making cut will win one of these lego box sets the best three and two the best two and three the best one and four and if there is such a thing the best oh and five um will also get one as well so it's worth continuing to play and try and score points and try and net yourself mov and stuff it's a bit random but you can control it a bit by crushing your opponent completely and utterly no take backs, all that kind of stuff. Smash them up. Um, we've also bought, and this is really cool, a Millennium Falcon Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> that is cool, actually. Which is going to be for the person who claims the most bounties over the course of the day. Now, I've talked about bounties online, but not on the podcast. Really, I've kind of talked, mentioned them a little bit. Bounties are basically things that can happen either by chance or by deliberate misplay um, that probably ruin your chances of winning a game um, or might ruin your chances of winning a game. Um, basically, it's things like hitting a rock or doing four damage to your ships by asteroid. Um, there's a, some random ones like, you know, rolling and re-rolling into all blanks um, on attack or defense, um, that kind of stuff. Doing three stress moves in a, in a row, that kind of thing. Um, so a lot of it is um, kind of honesty based between you and your opponent to come and tell us that you've successfully done it. Anyway, you get a little prize every time you claim our bounty, whoever claims the most bounties, um, will get uh, this Millennium Falcon because that's what all gamblers want. So, um, sadly, you can't just fly your ship off the board every game, a ship off the board every game to rack up the points because you can only claim each bounty once, um, except for the some of them, which are will be apparent. Um, but yeah, it's uh, 
it's really cool. And I looked at it and I thought these are the kind of things I would buy myself if I just spent my life walking around Smith's looking for excuses to buy things with Star Wars written on them. You mean if Mrs. Polly wasn't there that you yeah. had to explain it to when you got home? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the last thing is that we've also got a bunch of stuff from Louis Leong. So you might have seen he started bringing out like these metal dial covers with the the Phoenix squadron, the the Rebel Phoenix on it from, from Rebels, from Sabine Wren, um, and like uh, objective markers that you can use for salvage or for scramble. Um, and and uh, kind of other other bits and bobs as well. So we've got a bunch of stuff off him. Um, we're going to have loads and loads of prize support now. Basically, everybody's going to walk away with a lot. We've even ordered some stickers. So there you go. We've got some stickers with the event logo on them, so you can whack them on your template tray or in your box or whatever, so that everybody can have a little memento. So it's shaping up to be really good. Um, we are going to have to cope with the fact there's going to be eight people playing Warhammer 40k in a corner. Um, but I'm sure we'll manage or, you know, we'll drive them out with our enthusiasm. They'll be like, why are those people happy? Not supposed why to do those happy. people not smell awful? <laughs> are you not going, Liam? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> He's forgotten. <laughs> He's a what? Am I? <laughs> um, Ouch. You know. So, yeah, basically, because um, because we weren't confident that we would fill the hole. We took half of it, and by the time we said, no, we want all of it, they said, oh, we've already put a quarter of it out to 40k, so we were like, ugh. So, turns out there was only eight of them, they weren't filling the quarter. So the reason we were able to squeeze some extra tickets in um, was because um, we're stealing some of the tables that they've already paid for. Um, <laughs> so we'll just put more Borrowing. In. It's not stealing if you borrow. Well, to be honest, I suspect the element are going to be getting paid double bubble because they'll have paid for a quarter of a hole and we're paying for three quarters of a hole plus pro rata individual cost for the players who are stealing the 40k space. So um, it's fine. Whoever's on those tables will be rubbing shoulders with, I don't know what those things are called, Adeptus Mechanicus or something. Um, I don't know. Space shooty, rings. pointy things. Pointy, shooty, spiky things with more skulls than is entirely sensible. Um, I watched someone... Things roll about 120 dice the other day <laughs> and then he picked some out and he rolled them again and the other guy did his roll and he just went oh no damage <laughs> I, was like, I was so disappointed that, that, that looks i fun. thought something crazy was going on when i saw him grab all the dice <laughs> it's pro probably shooting like 30 troops into one space marine it's like 30 infantry into one tank or something and they all shoot one and have to they hit on just sixes and he was like yeah i've, I've rolled nothing it was yeah. madness i watched it I was like, oh this guy is gonna do some there's got to be a lot going on here it's like oh no you'll go that's me yeah. done i guess i don't know the only thing that i remember about 40k is a meme of a guy in a tank screaming drive me closer i want to hit them with my sword um <laughs> and that's just anyway i know that people enjoy it and they love it and we shouldn't um kink shame other war gamers because most um x most 40 uh most X-Wing players are X-40K players. Um, just some of us were sensible and came in through the, I don't paint and I don't glue, so what game can I play? Oh, that one looks good. It's also Star Wars. Happy days. That's me. So anyway, that's the Sith Taker open. We're sold out. Um, so um, if you do want to come and you've missed the last wait list, um, then we're properly in ticket exchange territory. Um, so if you can find somebody who isn't going to make it, you can um, trade tickets with them. Just let us know. Um, but
yeah um similarly if you're listening and you suddenly realize that you can't come for whatever reason um sadly refunds are closed um but we will try and match make you with um uh, somebody else in the community who might want a ticket who hasn't had the opportunity to get one yet because uh, there are people who want to come who still don't know if they can um for family reasons or whatever so um there's probably some people who'd snag a ticket last minute given a chance um an opportune moment um cool that's that um Games that have actually happened then. Last weekend, Steve Bolton ran his big event at Atlas Gaming in Gloucester. Now, as far as I know, Liam and Adam went to the event. Is that right? We did. How did it go, Liam? Talk, talk about the day while I go and see why my kid's crying. You talk and I'll pretend like I'm listening. <laughs> Isn't that what we do whenever Liam talks? Mostly. Yes, if, I, if I don't respond, Ben, you can take over a wee bit. I love that he's still sitting chatting to us like, my, my child's crying, but whatever, I'll wait and hear the insult to Liam. <laughs> uh, so, I think it's a relatively new store uh, that's opened up, and it's sat in the dock. Uh, quite a nice view on the outside, to be fair. Uh, there's a lot of places around there to eat, like TGI's. Which I mistakenly thought was five guys to... from about five hundred meters away, but we did find five guys. <laughs> they offered me some weird prices in the toilet. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a smallish store, but they've managed to squeeze a decent amount of tables out there. I think we had thirteen tables on the go because we had twenty six players. Yeah, twenty six players plus yeah, prize table. So it's actually. Yeah somehow they fit that many people in there and it didn't feel insanely cramped. No, you still had plenty of space to walk around. The only negative thing I'd ever say is that because there was that many uh, playmats, there wasn't a lot of space for template trays or anything like that. Uh, I think going to Boarding Brum, I'm spoiled for table height and everything felt a bit low. But apart from that, it was a great venue. The, uh, the guy that ran the shop, Carl, really welcoming took videos uh photos of the entire day it was it was really good it was a really solid event and steve bolton did announce himself as the worst to which firmly brings <laughs> me off the bottom so i'll take that as a uh, a big victory i think he's just saying what you do doesn't class as toing yeah that's pretty fair oh that yeah i'm happy not to be in the to bracket overall I mean, the only event I've ever been to that you ran, me and Tim ended up sorting it out. That's because Adam abandoned us. He went to work. It was working when I left. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> Not to leave the child in charge. <laughs> How did you find it, Adam? Um, yeah, so it was... Um, the stores, like you say, is really nice. Um, so that's really good. The... Uh, there's a couple of drain pipes that run sort of overhead through the game area that are a bit iffy um, if you are north of six foot. Not a problem for me then. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> you can sit on Richard's shoulders and not hit the pipe if you're right. Yes. So, how did you build Really easy, relatively easy to get to as far as like transport links driving through the middle of Gloucester is a bit weird. Um, timing for the event ran really well. I think we finished up well, finished well before five o'clock, Liam. Uh, 
I think so. But I know he did start early because Toby went to the event and he, he showed me the event page. It started at 10, but we definitely started at half nine. <laughs> Tim timing. Well, Steve did say he was the worst TO, so we just started it whenever he felt like it. Yeah. So he was like, right, time has started. And I was like, Steve, uh, Toby's still not here. I need to go and find him. He's just like, yeah, the time for us. going to start whenever it's good for me. <laughs> so do you want to yeah. have a little chat about how you both did? Who was the worst out of the two of you? It was me. We actually did both. I'm just looking at the page now. You both actually went three and one, didn't you? Yeah, we but... finished third and fourth. Adam finishing third, me fourth. Um, what was the actual tiebreaker in this? It's strength schedule. So yes. Adam had the stronger opponents. So the order was strength to schedule, um, victory points, and then OV as the last one. So we had quite a good chat on the way back about how the tiebreakers split things up. It's funny, really, because your your MOV is quite poor. Yeah, points. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like it's only nine, isn't it? But there are a bunch of schedules. Yeah, um, but the strength schedule was like, uh, I think I. I played one guy who went to two and two, and everybody else um, lost. The other two guys who went three and one or two one and one, um, I was their loss. And then I played Alex, who came second. I'm actually coming round more to strength of schedule now. Do you want to talk about your list as well? You go first, Adam. Adam's is quite an interesting list, isn't it? Yeah. So we had. Uh, it was Rebel List, Ezra in the Gauntlet, um, and then four A-Wings, Keo and Tycho from the new Hot Shots pack, uh, Arvel, um, and Derek Clivian, who was the pilot in uh, one of the pilots that came out in um, Phoenix Cell. He was the 2.1. He <laughs> was the 2.0 loadout one that was... <laughs> problematic for a couple of months mm. uh, but now he's three with six loadout and there's a really interesting interaction which um, I've got bad news for you Adam yeah I had this interaction validated by a judge and they said no I thought it worked as well we'll talk about what we'll talk Ooh. talk about it and talk about why it works for Tycho but it doesn't work for Derek Clivian. Um so basically the interaction is Derek Clivian's ability is that after he takes a, acquires or spends a target lock, um, he can clear a stress. Because of the way the ability queue works, he can target lock and then boost as a linked action and clear the stress that he gets from the boost. Because the acquiring the lock and gaining the stress from the boost happen at the same point because of the ability queue. Um, yeah, they're both after you. So they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're both after execute. So, yeah, so you can resolve them in whatever order. So the interaction that we thought we'd found was that composure, if you feel the boost, you still do that thing. So you clear it, and then composure allows you to take focus. So you get a double-modded concussion missile. Sadly, the way that it's ruled at the moment by the Judge Illuminati is that, until AMG say otherwise, is that the composure jumps to the front of the queue Basically, when you fail the boost, Composure immediately activates and jumps to the front of the queue and says, no, you're stressed, you can't take the action. And then you clear the stress, so you end up with a, a lock oh. and no thing. But but 
you've still got one point left over, so you might as well stick on marksmanship or something. Um, it works yeah. for Tycho because Tycho can take actions while stressed. Um, so he can lock and then fail a boost and then composure a focus. Um, that's fine. It works for him, no problem at all. Um, or he can evade focus as well. Um, he can do all sorts of stuff um, by um, abusing composure and its rules. But um, not Derek, sadly. I'm so sad. Anyway, back to your list. That's such a weird way of... Yeah, I thought that sounded a bit weird, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird anyway that Derek can clear the stress that he gets from boosting after he locks when his ability says after you acquire a lock because of the order. But the way that currently the ability queue is ruled is that composure is like an interrupter. It's a replacement effect. So it's like when you fail an action, then this happens. So you fail the boost, then composure happens. Then you do the thing that happens when you execute the boost, which is the stress clear basically so anyway um so to, yeah to tell us what ezra sort of does adam because you don't see him a lot i think this, you ran ezra didn't you um yeah i ran this list but i had cool b spirito in an x-wing instead of taiko in an a-wing and taiko's just better in the list so i've been using something very similar to this recently yeah i don't yeah, think we ever actually spoke about what the gauntlet does <laughs> So this was partially stolen from Rich saying you ran the gauntlet to a reasonable amount of success last week um, because it's a really nice model and I'd like to get the use out of it. <laughs> uh, so uh, Ezra's the standard pilot ability, pilot ability for all of the Ezra pilots and crew, which is when he's stressed, he can spend a force to change two focus results, um, which is cool, but not the most important thing. Um, so I've got Chopper and Hera on there uh, as crew. Uh, you get the second crew slot from the Knight Brother title. The idea that you can continue to do actions and red moves whilst dressed um, for a damage in the case of the actions. Um, and the idea, um, as well as false transponder codes to cover for sort of defensive. Um, so if anyone wants to try and torpedo the Gauntlet, you can at least get rid of the first target lock um, and Notorious to hand out some strain and some extra mods. And the idea is, um, oh, and a veteran tail gunner because it's got two arcs and I had three points. Um, so the idea is that you do something that gets the gauntlet stressed the turn before you engage. Uh, for me, the gauntlet has a red coordinate, and it was really useful with the, uh, four of the, uh, three of the other ships being I three to be able to um, do some weird stuff with the coordinate to um, barrel roll and then still allow a ship to get two actions and things like that. Um, then on the turn you engage, you can, as long as you do a red move or a white move, you can use the Knight Brother title to get yourself an evade token, but also still take an action because of um, because of Chopper. Um, and you can do that while you stop, because Hera can allow you to do red moves while you're stressed. <laughs> That's really cool. It's okay. Um, Doing damage to yourself is not ideal, and it's not necessarily the most efficient way of using seven points, I don't think. Uh, but it is really fun. It will catch people out. The whole list is sort of, here's a bunch of things that are sort of, if you don't know what all of them do, you'll get gotcha'd by something at some point. Um, and that's kind of how it played out, uh, which is which was, which was was really fun. Uh, yeah, Keo, Keo's, you know, Keo's brilliant. Cool. Yeah, yeah he's, he's great. He's great because he's got that force, which you either constantly side slip to recover it and it's fine because you can do a white side slip take a lock and have a lock for uh, lock force and just skirt the edge of the battlefield um firing concussion missiles um or if you don't spend the force then you've still got access to your a-wing dial to come in and take a lock and have double mods um 
and ultimately he's an A-wing, so he can just take an evade um, and be evade forced for defence as well if he needs it. So, um, I mean, they're all individually great little pieces. Um, Derek Clivian's the one that I look at and think if there was a better three-pointer, he'd be straight in. Um, but the fact that it's four A-wings and a, and a gauntlet looks really nice. I like your Ezra build. It's different to mine. I used um, Contraband Cybernetics, and I had the Child on at one point, and I had... Um, Mandalorian Super Commandos, and I've been playing about with different builds, like putting Leia in, um, but using Notorious um, is really good. Um, and I didn't think about the um, red coordinate into a Knight Brother. I tended to use Knight Brother for the... Because this this can basically stop for like four turns before it becomes a problem. If you put <laughs> Contraband Cybernetics in, it can stop for five turns before it That's becomes a ridiculous. problem. So if you're in a really good spot, you can... Well, Hera allows you to do red moves for three turns without taking... And then you start to take damage um for three turns and if you've got contraband cybernetics that gives you a fourth turn <laughs> um you can put canaan on a ship nearby and those red stops can be white as well so or you can put canaan on the gauntlet and make your red stops white um by spending his force um so i mean literally you can turn it into a mobile turret that's got two greens whatever it's got 10 health 11 health 10 whatever uh, um, 11 yeah yeah, this guy got two greens, eleven health, three reds, and you know if you stick a trick shot on it as well, and you park it behind an obstacle, and it just sits there for five turns, and just it's got to reinforce as well, which is good for a lot of matchups. Yeah, it's red. Oh no, I've got Knight Brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Yeah, a lot. What does Knight Brother do? So every other turn, uh, so it's two charges recurring if you're stressed and you do a non-blue move you can spend two charges to take a focus or an evade oh, so great with ezra's um with ezra's ability his force is basically brilliant evasion um or a focus on offense um rather than a force on offense so you can basically knight brother a, an evade um and be unkillable um or you can knight brother an evade and then reinforce using chopper and taking a damage and you know i've done it before where i've been triple stressed and been focused evade reinforced um <laughs> with a force which counts as another focus and people are like what and i'm like yeah i mean it cost me health to do it but and i'm not triple stressed and i'll never be unstressed so i'm going to have no actions next turn but <laughs> this turn <laughs> i'm feeling good I think that's really big at the moment anyway, because if you can end up in a situation with an 11 health ship that survives enough, often there's either not another turn or there's not enough time for everything to turn around and kill you anyway. Yeah. Um, I took my first round, I took all of like the majority of um, Ash Turner's rebel list at sort of range one into the gauntlet, sitting on evade, force, reinforce. Um, and came away with a couple of health left, which was enough to sort of just get out of the way and not die and yeah, get get a result out of it. So I think it's it's a cool ship, but I I do agree that there's a bunch of interesting options. Yeah, I think we've seen Scum um, Gauntlets doing well with um, particularly Rook Cast um, coming in, um, and we've seen in the past Maul doing well in the Gauntlet. Um, him being at I five gives him a massive advantage when he stops because he can choose which way to turn to make sure he's shooting it at something. You can't arc dodge him because he's he's doing that thing at I five where Ezra there's a bit of play around him because he's a three. Um, but I think its biggest benefit, as you said, is that it's 
11 health behind two greens with a reinforce. It's not dying. It's in the same boat as Boba. People look at it and go, I either have to shoot that with literally everything or just not bother. There's no point. Um, and I mean, it almost guarantees you win a game if it's um, assault at the satellite array and they don't block up your triangle of objectives. Like if you make a triangle of objectives and park the ship in the middle of it, it's just scoring three points a turn for four turns, and that's basically game over. That is what yeah. happened in my in my third one. We didn't get the exact triangle, but I was able to sit it between two and just stay there. Yeah, and it was yeah, huge deal. Heiko, got to talk about Heiko. You've used tractor beam. Did you actually fire that? Uh, I fired it twice and I missed them both. So that was good. <laughs> I was well, going to say because I I always looked at um, iron cannons um, as my kind of thing for that. So the the tractor beam was really useful to um, it's obviously shoots first. He strips focuses from things because they absolutely cannot take it, and it just gives them a relevance at range three. Yeah, uh, when you don't have the bullseye, means you can then commit the turn after to try and make the bullseye shots work, which is pretty good. Is um, it tractor beam range two only. Uh, jamming beam goes to range two, I think. Ah, right, okay. Um, so it was just, it was mostly for that, and it'll force things to either spend all of their defensive mods, which if it was a two dice gun, they they maybe don't. Um, and it, it comes off, um, and obviously we all know what tractors can do to people. Um, yeah, keep talking to Liam. So. Token sharing, wholesome token sharing. Here, have sorry. Um, I mean, you can boost nothing else. Boosting things out of so they don't get a shot, but they're in range one of one of your ships, or you know, moving them just so they don't want to be, or just them being there going, please move me, please move me. Like I'm not moving you, I'm not giving you the chance to spin ninety degrees. Clear off. <laughs> just take take your minus one agility and be happy with it. Yeah, I think I I was I've been playing with um, HLC and um, uh, might have been concussion missiles on him. Um, as mine with composure and something else, but can't really remember. Probably crack shot or something. Can't remember even how I built it. Um, it wasn't that because now I'm looking at it, it makes no sense to do it that way. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of options, and Tycho is great that composure interaction. Yeah. So for all the same reasons as we talked about with Derek Clivian, it shouldn't work. But because Tycho can take actions while stressed. Um, he does his action linked into a boost. He fails the boost. He gets his composure focus, um, which he can take because he's stressed and he doesn't care because he's Tycho. So, yeah, composure works great on Tycho. He's amazing. Um, he's going to be a, a, I think he's going to be a stable in a lot of rebel lists at the minute because he's a four point double modded three dice gun, basically. Um, I five as well for it, which is which is yeah, massive. Really handy. Um, really the power roll boost, like to power roll fail, uh, and then boost and fail that for a focus. So basically, Jake is really big as well. Yeah, yeah, being able to just play, play around. All right, what did Liam take then? Wholesome Separatists. Fun. Separatists. Yeah. <clears throat> what a surprise for everyone. I mean, the thing that surprises me the most is that you didn't actually update, upload a copy of your list into. Uh, actually, I think you'll find I did. It's a Yasby link. It's just a Yasby link. I can't just open it and look at it. I need to cut and paste it into another screen. It's I mean, right. I've done it now. The time I was talking, I've done it. The worst so, thing is the person that 
implored everyone to upload a list. Steve Bolton didn't do it himself. So, oh wait, I I know why I know why that happened though. Because the request to upload lists was at the bottom of the instructions for the event. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was the second paragraph. So we all know he doesn't read the second half of anything. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, not reading not reading the bottom half of the internet is probably a good choice, because um, that's where the comment sections live, and nobody wants to go there. Um, right, talk to me about your tri fighters, Liam. Talk to me about your tri fighters instead of well, bullying Steve Bolton. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to them last. So, I on the back of last week, I felt like I needed a bit more of a crutch. Because it didn't go well. By last week, I'm referring to Tim's event. Uh, so I went back to Separatists because that's where my heart lies. And I ran Django Fett in the Fire Spray, running Treacherous, Jamming Beam, Savage Oppress, Proton Bombs, False Transponder Codes, Contraband Cybernetics, Delayed Fuses, Slave One, and Veteran Tail Gunner. Then I thought I'd uh, throw a bit of bit of new source in there uh, with Dirge in the Rogue Class Starfighter with Marksmanship, Proton Cannons, Delayed Fuses, Xanadu Blood and Proton Bombs. Obviously Xanadu Blood gives me the ability to cloak and take a bomb or a crew. And then I took Droid uh, Volandos in the Droid Tri-Fighter, despite him not being a droid, uh, with Outmaneuver to limit the amount of cards I'm actually putting on a table. And then I took the quick build card, if the standard loadout, uh, the Flak RFOC prototype, which comes with Afterburners uh, Contingency Protocol, which is completely irrelevant in the list because I've got nothing with network calculations, and Evasion Sequence 7, which is Debris Gambit, but a tiny bit better because I can then do a barrel roll, link it into a white evade, uh, providing I'm at range zero to one of an objective or obstacle and when at the end of the engagement phase like soon tier but not as good uh, I can get a calculate token uh, if there is someone in my bullseye obviously an enemy ship mm-hmm. so I've not run tri-fighters that often despite owning three I've got because... a cracking video of you running one Oh god, yeah, I used to. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's best that you don't talk about. That's that you don't talk about that period in your X-wing career, to be honest. Yeah, the bad times. But uh, yeah, I thought I'd get them back out because I think AMG have actually done the tri fighters uh, some justice, running them at four points a pop. Uh, they're quite effective if you can get their time on target while getting them away from danger. Uh, I think they're more hit-and-run specialists as opposed to just straight-up hard hitters like everyone wants them to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but they were a lot of fun. Uh, I think I lost two tri-fighters all day. I mean, it's tyranny, was... of, it's tyranny of three agility, isn't it? It is. And if I knew I was taking shots, I'd look at doing a five-forward with afterburners uh, or just getting in and amongst it and just trying to mount up a few tokens with an evade and a calculate mm-hmm. and just praying, which sometimes worked, which was nice. Uh, but it was okay. a fresh list. I'd only had two reps before, and I thought, well, I'm, 
I want to play the game for a bit of fun at the moment and stop trying to win because when I try and win and I lose, it's really demoralising. I've done a lot of that recently. I mean, I think there's something to be said for going with a list where you know that you'll enjoy using all of the pieces and then you get in some results and then you realise that you fly the list that you enjoy and suddenly you're winning events again or making cut again as opposed to forcing yourself to fly something that everybody else says is great. Um, And you're like, is it though? It feels really powerful, but I don't have fun. And then that's just a recipe for sadness, isn't it really? Yeah, I mean, I did it before. Uh, everyone was saying the just the, the mass amount of droids was a really good list. Then to take that or go with two fire sprays, and I couldn't bring myself to do it, so I took one fire spray, a Nantex, wholesome token sharing fun, and Grievous. Uh, the biggest challenge of this list is trying to look past Grievous because he's such a linchpin in the Separatist faction. It's hard to not put him in. I mean, but I we're going to. We're going to talk about the Las Vegas Open in, in a bit. Um, that was somebody used Grievous there, but not the ship. Go on. Hello? Yes. Hello? I, I completely cut out then. I couldn't hear anything. He did. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about Grievous a bit in the, at, the, at the Las Vegas Open. Yeah. Um, so the thing is with Grievous, I think by putting him in the list with some of the ships I want, it just makes me take dbs 404 because he's a really solid three-pointer yeah i don't think i can get the value out of dbs and i feel it puts me on the back foot rather than being able to be aggressive and just get a lot of damage in with three i5s and an i6 because Mm. it puts me down to an i5 an i6 and having two i4s which i think again in this meta is a bit of a coin flip regardless of how strong grievous is Yeah. I mean, it was interesting because I looked at it and I thought, he's not flying Grievous. Grievous is a four. Is he a four pointer, Grievous, or is he five? Mm. He's five. If he was four points, he'd be insane and incredibly broken. Yeah, so he's five. So you couldn't fit him in and also have the other, your two Flakar Fox, unless you, or your Tri Fighter, sorry, unless you. Can you watch your language? Drop Django down to something else. So yeah, you ended up basically kind of stuck in a stuck in a spot, didn't you? Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, I like I, I like your list. Uh, yeah, and you you lost to the you. person who won. Um, yeah. Your only loss. So that was Chris Chivers. Well done, Chris. It was. Um, I don't know if he listens or not, but he's getting a congratulations anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, well done, Chris. We'll like we'll like that. Um, you win uh, a really cool Mandalorian N1 trophy, I think, was the prize, wasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it was a yeah, 3D printed N1 Starfighter. It, it looks phenomenal. It did look very cool. I was a bit jealous, but too far away. There's two Chivers playing. You viewed Martin, Chris Chivers played Martin Chivers. My goodness me. Are they brothers? Fancy that. Uh, they are. Wow. Going to talk about Chris's list because it's quite interesting and interesting in a way that it's the kind of thing that a lot of people I think have looked at and discounted because it's too obvious. But sometimes the obvious good thing in Rebels is the good thing. So he started off with um, torpedoes. 
torpedoes, basically. <laughs> so he's written the word torpedoes at the top of his list and then just put in ships that make torpedoes happen. So he's got... <laughs> he starts off with Pops Crail, who is a four-pointer. He's taken the build-your-own version and he's put proton torpedoes and an R3 astromech on him. Now, Pops Crail is the guy who, if he does a white and move... And Tefron Belly Run, or whatever it is. Tefron Belly Run, so he That's can launch his proton torpedoes off asteroids. Um, so he is Pops is the guy who, if he does a white maneuver, he can give a ship at zero to one of focus. So he can basically focus and then take a lock as his action in his I3. Um, you've got Luke Skywalker, or he can give that focus to somebody else. You've got Luke Skywalker, um, who is a double modded proton torpedo by himself. Um, so he's also got extreme maneuvers, elusive, and an R4 astromech, as well as proton torpedoes, but they're not relevant um, <laughs> because it's all about the proton torpedoes. Um, you've got Wes Jansen who I, I'm so happy to see somebody succeeded with him at, a, at an event because he's cool. Um, he's got proton torpedoes and an R4 astromech, so uh, Chris is obviously big into his K-turns and he needs those blue moves. Um, so Wes can take the, the, the focus from Pops, and Wes is an I-5 ship as well, so um, he's going to be able to to take locks um, later on in the day. But then here's the, the little linchpin, which is Corrin Horn in an X-Wing with proton torpedoes, R3, so he gets what two was locks. That? Torpedoes, so, got you. More torpedoes. Now, Corrin's <laughs> ability is that basically everybody locks him on turn one, and then at I-5, he flies in and locks something else. So the alpha strike on this is essentially four proton torpedoes that fire three of them at I-5 and one of them at I-3. Um, there's no swarm tactics or anything like that going on. Um, but essentially, as long as Corrin can range control you, so Pops can give Corrin a focus, and then Corrin can jump in, grab the lock, everybody else then takes a target lock, everybody shoots a proton torpedo at one ship, or you shoot as many proton torpedoes as you need until things are dead. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then the next turn, you're into what do we? What are we going to try and delete next time? How, how do we delete another ship? So, um, yeah, it's fairly brutal. Um, how did you find facing it, Liam? It was horrible, uh, especially with two completely shieldless ships. <laughs> uh, was but when you said earlier that you lost two tri fighters all day, was that you lost two tri fighters in one game to Chris to proton torpedoes? Yep. <laughs> I suppose they've only got three hull, haven't they? Yeah, and uh, they got one shotted. Well, one got one shotted, <laughs> and then the other one survived a turn. Uh, and then got it was, murdered. It was just daunting. The only saving grace I had in that, because I knew, say, if we're going back to 2.0 days, uh, if he had the bid, I'd lost. Uh, so the saving grace in this was road. And so I was already in the point where I needed variants to bail me out. And he did this dastardly trick of watching to see what I rolled for road and then decided to roll whatever he needed to go second. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. So, I mean, you had a six, right? Yep. So road didn't matter for the six, but then you clashed with at five with everything else. Yes. Except for pops. So he's signalling what he's going to do with pops because he points pops arc somewhere at I three. 
and you think, right, he's going to put everything in that direction. Did he then, did he fake you out at all with the Pops move to make you like, go, oh no, he's going to go there because he banked Pops and then he straighted everything else? No, Pops kind of just stayed roughly in the back. Mm-hmm. So he just pointed Pops, got a focus, gave a focus uh, to someone else and then just sat there. So whatever came his way, it was going to die. Uh, I, ma- I managed to kill Pops. I've mm-hmm. never wanted to kill a Y-Wing so much. <laughs> he's a great piece. Um, I mean, he, he's like Jake Farrell, but in a worse shit. Like, as long as he does a suboptimal move, because all of his comfortable moves are blue, so he has to do white. So he can't do one banks or one straights or two, or two straights. He's got to do three straights or two hards or two banks. But as long as he does one of those moves, he can pass a focus to somebody in range one, which sounds easy. Moving something like if you have him at the front, he very because he's lower initiative, which you want to do on setup, he very quickly pulls ahead of the, even the faster ships because he's moving in front of them, doing white moves. So he moves out of range one. So you've got to be really careful with your setup. But um, he, I mean, he's just a self-powered double modded shot. You know, when you get further into the game, um, solid tournament list, isn't it? Though, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's it's not the most fun or exciting <laughs> list, but. It, it does something really well. I mean, winning's fun, right? Oh, yeah. I think rolling, rolling four, four dice again. into one all game is probably quite fun. Yeah, four, four double modded dice every time you shoot is pretty fun. I used to fly in Miranda. I've got no room to talk, but, you know, it's, it's like I say, it's not anything special. Like, um, there's nothing crazy going on, but you can't dodge all them torpedoes. Sooner or later, one of your ships has got to take one of those torpedoes. And I did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I changed my mind on one move uh, because I was like, if he just does a one forward, I'm stuffed. So I decided not to do a five forward to try and get around the edge. And I did a one hard instead. And that just set him up because he moved faster than one forward. <laughs> so I talked myself out of probably the best move, which also would have pulled Luke away. Uh, but all the credit to him he ran the list all day got four wins he didn't put a foot wrong in my game apart from that one thing which I felt was the right move and he agreed with me <laughs> um, but he, he everything I did to try and get back in the game didn't come off but I was in the position where I had to take risks every turn he flew it brilliantly I can't knock it at all and I'm happy that was my only loss out of all of them final by the way uh, no it was in two <laughs> But, so uh, the final, he played the final. They had a um, another separatist list, which was Toby, um, yes. which was um, Toby Harris, who's um, very very accomplished player, and he was using Sunfac, General Grievous, um, like Maneuver Solus One Standard, um, Sunfac, Crackshot, Gravitic Deflection, and Snare Targeting Computer. It's your favourite ship, that Liam. Um, it is awesome. Siege of Croissant, um, Kanduku, <laughs> and. Um, DFS three eleven Siege of Coruscant. I don't know what that is. Um, some kind of ship. Vulture tokens. So, right. Okay. Um, so uh, Toby went three and zero with that um, process. So again, that's a very interesting thing to see um, because that's. Uh, I mean, I can see how that lost to uh, Chris's Rebels um, because Chris's Rebels will erase any one of those four ships that it looks at. Um, in in a round, um, and then that really 
because it's a four ship list, it'll struggle with anything else um, after that point. But yeah, I mean, it's easy so to look at an alpha strike list and say it's just an alpha strike list. But in order to go four and zero with it, or, or to do better than four and zero with it, you still need to execute your game plan every single time in what was quite a quite a good room. I mean, Martin. I know you were being mean about him earlier, but Martin Chivers was at one point the winner of the largest X-Wing tournament until the year after when there was a bigger one. Um, <laughs> but he won the 500-person system open with... Um, oh, he had all sorts of first-order nonsense in his list. I can't remember, remember what it was. Um, uh, Noel, Kylo. Yeah. Oh, no. D- d- right, you need to use your brain for better things than this, Liam. <laughs> uh, seriously, yeah, you can remember... You can remember somebody's list from whatever it's like five years ago or something. A system open, my goodness me! It was one point uh, in Birmingham. Yeah, it was. And it I was, also it. remember it was the outrage of someone literally changing a dial on stream or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> it was my biggest ever X-wing tournament. I think that I went to because um, I didn't get to I go can, to any of the other system opens. I can tell you exactly what list I took to that as well. Oh no, please don't. I could say what I took as well. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you what I took, but I'm not going to. Um, so anyway, there was 26 people there all together. Um, That's because you ended up in the, the sad tables, were me. I did end up in the sad tables, yeah, because I took a really good list and made it worse, and I did badly with it. Because so. <laughs> um, putting Wolf Warrow in instead of Miranda in a 100-point Miranda was a good idea. Um, <laughs> so... Um, Anyway, uh, well done to Chris for winning the event um, and to Alex Jenstrel, who even though he didn't lose on the final table, he also went 4-0 and because the event was too big, so they should have played another round. Um, but Alex lost on uh, strength of schedule. Um, Alex was flying um, clones, um, an interesting version of clones, though. He's got the two arcs, Wolf and Jag, from Siege of Coruscant, Hawk in the lap to give 7th Fleet Gunner, Ugh. And then Anakin Skywalker and a Delta 7B. Um, so a dedicated Agile Gunner boosting Hawk, giving, uh, oh, wow, yeah, giving Wolf and Jag the ability to boost to come into combat to roll then a bunch of extra dice plus Anakin rolling extra dice and getting actions on turnarounds. And he's a 7B with a shield upgrade. So seven health of Anakin. Uh, not a lot of support for him. But he's gone four and zero with that, so that's pretty rude. That's worth a little look. Might have to fly a hawk at some point soon. I keep saying I'm going to, and then I never bother. So Alex beat me in the last round. Um, yeah, played a phenomenal game in there. Um, good game plan and um, executed it really well. Those playing chance encounter into those arcs is horrible because we're dedicated and born for this. They're not super easy to do damage to, and when you do, it's like. Five damage for two points. Yeah. Um, and they're still rolling a million dice at you. So yeah, they're only four points. So they're yeah. still yeah, and they're double modding, um, natively double modding both of them, which means that the seventh fleet gunner is just horrible, um, because they're natively double modding, and then they've got backup from the lat if they need it. I mean, the lat's really there for Anakin to be able to focus and reposition and still have re-rolls and extra dice and stuff, but there's a well, lot did, of dice coming out of that list. He did a 7th Fleet Gunner shot with Wolf, um, rolled three blanks and a focus while just having the focus, and gets to re-roll one with the ship ability, or the pilot ability, sorry, two with the lat, and then just got four hits anyway. Cool. Focus. Seems good. I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. I, I really it, like the list. 
it's what clones do. I mean, three bit, three medium bases, so it's good at um, that the one. Uh, the satellite, satellite ray. Yeah. You mean um, being near it? near it yeah and then <laughs> it can also quite happily because it's action agnostic because it doesn't need a lot of its rerolls and stuff um it can fairly happily pick crates up um for turns because it's not really wanting to reposition once it gets into the mix and um, it can take the action in scramble really well it's, yeah i think it doesn't might not look incredibly powerful but i think it's advantages that it's got a good um a really good scenario game in all four missions yeah i think like if I head sim the fi- if I head sim the fifth round, and I put Chris and Alex against each other, I don't think Alex can stop Chris from just erasing a ship a turn. And I think that's the problem: is that he gets four turns and then he he's got no ships left. So it doesn't matter what scenario it is; he's just you know, Chris is gaining himself four or six points a turn. The only ship that might last more than a turn is Anakin because he can arc dodge his way away, but eventually he just runs out of time because yeah. there's a four or four. What's Hawk? Is it Hawk a six? Uh, five. Five. Oh, yeah, four or four or five and a seven for Anakin. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Hawk's a five. So, you know, you're very quickly up to 13 points um, with proton torpedoes. Because I've seen, well, we've seen Ben, you did it to poor Dave at club, um, poor Dave Lever at club, kept putting one arc in front of a rebel alpha strike list and it, and, and it evaporated. And he, and he was like, oh, I don't understand why that, that ship died in one turn. It was like, yeah, but then he did uh, it the second turn and put another one, in. <laughs> put another one out there. It was like, well, there was a plasma torpedo. You had to learn. There was a plasma torpedo that took all your shields away, and then there were two proton torpedoes, and you've got one green dice, and you didn't roll an evade, and it wasn't super likely. Um, yeah, and then he did it again, um, and was confused great. again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's—I I look at that and I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know. Like Hawk gives the boost though, so I guess it's how you play it, isn't it? Because if you charge three forward and then you boost and then three forward again, that switches off those proton torpedoes but you're then eating double modded range one x-wing shots so they're just less pretty they're still painful but less pretty um i think you've got the loser hawk so lose it lose an arc but kill something in return and you're and you're up or at least even on points and then anakin's in the game properly yeah that's the best shot you've got but yeah anakin can that is true that anakin can properly bully things because he's got seven health and he can take actions on turnarounds as well so um yeah like if he doesn't manage to shed his stress he just r4p 17s it and if he can shed his stress he doesn't need to use an r4p 17 charge anyway or he can do that and be double modded off a k turn i've done that a few times it's lovely it's already double modded isn't he like from five different Everything modded. He can. Yeah. I mean, if he can always just double reposition, like because he's got, you know, he's got force and he's got rerolls and he's got a seventh fleet gunner for extra dice, then you know he's always, always, always got something that he can do. So, and yeah, I suppose the born for this really helps out as well. Those focuses that those guys are taking are basically team focuses, aren't they? So. Yeah. Cool. Well, anyway, let's move on from that. So well done again to uh, Chris and to um, Alex for 
both going four and zero. I just noticed that at the end as I was about to wrap up, I was like, "Oh wait, somebody else went four and zero." Seems unfair to just skip past that one. Um, he lost on strength of schedule. He lost because he randomly got drawn against slightly worse opponents over the course of the day. Never mind. Um, oh, significantly worse. Two point oh six against one point one three. I don't understand how that's figured out. I'm sure a computer can tell me. Right next. We're going to talk about the Las Vegas Open, which also ran this weekend, just gone. Uh, is in America. It was in Las Vegas. It ran over three days. <laughs> Las Vegas Open, it happened in Grimsby. Um, so um, the, uh, the Las Vegas Open happened last weekend, and it was, uh, I mean, it was run over three days. So they ran a um, Swiss tournament on the, I'm going to say Friday, which had like, 40 something players or something like that and then they ran another um one on the saturday and i'm not sure how many players there were in the second day um i'm trying to look at merged standings but i'm looking at only the final bit so anyway i, I can't be bothered to spend too much time thinking about it. they had about 100 and something players i think at all um, 43 day one 51 day two mm-hmm. Okay, so 94 in total. Okay, cut to 16, um, which was... uh, Did they do progression cut? Um, Was it a four months make it? And I think it was, uh, possibly. Although it might not have been. No, it wasn't. Um, So anyway, they, uh, they ran it using Roll Better, which is the... Is this the one that Gold Squadron are kind of pushing use of yes. tournament software. Yeah, it is. Right. Okay, so they used Roll Better. Um so I'm not overly familiar with Roll Better as an interface. Um it doesn't seem to have lists. Uh, oh no it does in the lists tab. Uh but it's got oh, right okay. It's basically a copy of things. So the winner, let's do that first. I need to find the final. The the, the winner was J.S. Tumbo? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why don't people use names? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, somebody called J.S. Tumbo won um, the event. Uh, he was using a First Order list. No, he wasn't. No, Separatists. No, it was Separatists. We've already talked about this. So he was using Dirge, Separatist Dirge, with Proton Cannons. So they're the every-other-turn nasty version of HLC um, that does critty stuff. Uh, false transponder codes, Xanadu blood and seismic charges. He had Count Dooku in the Sith Infiltrator. Now, this is I3 Count Dooku. So he took hate, proton torpedoes, general grievous, proton bombs, and scimitar. And then he had three bombardment drone hyena class droid bombers with prox mines and landing struts, but they're irrelevant. Prox mines. Um, and he won the whole event and he took on a lot of names in the x-wing scene from america that you might have heard of if you pay attention to what's going on over there um so yeah well done to that guy js tumbo what do you think of that list liam uh on paper i'd look at it and go oh i don't like that as in i think it's bad but evidently it caught a lot of people out it's interesting taking these seven point Dooku over the Siege Coruscant as well, but I guess it gives you a lot more crit threat with the Proton Torps, which will be double modded 
and the parental yeah. bombs, which means you can't get stuck behind him, which, spoiler alert, is how he won. Yep. So Proton, so and General Grievous as well, mentioned it a little bit earlier. General Grievous crew. We don't see a lot of him because General Grievous ship is too good, basically, right? But General Grievous crew does a thing, basically, where if you take damage, you just get to say, now nah, you're all right, mate. Um, and you get to do that, like, three times or something. Um, no, it's once. Uh, so it's while you defend after the neutralized results step, if there are two or more hit or crit results, yes. you may spend one charge to cancel one hit or crit result. After a friendly ship is destroyed, recover one charge. Okay, and there's some hyena bombers there that might well go pop. So basically, you can cancel hits and crits um, if more there are two or more. So basically, it's like a conditional reinforce that comes back every so often. Um, I watched one of the games. It was the final. I didn't watch all of it. I kind of watched the setup. I thought to myself, I'm not finishing watching this. He's just joisted that entire Imperial list with um, with his Dooku. Um, who was cloaked, and apparently that was a valid strategy because it then took them so long to not kill Dooku because he was cloaked and had all of his force and everything else that everything else came in from the side and um, did a good job at chipping damage and uh, killing stuff. Um, He was playing against, and I'm not sure who the player was, but he was playing against Darth Vader... uh, with in the defender in the defender so was this worms it was yeah. uh so the, the player name on roll better is worms uh vader defender with malice duke heavy laser cannon captain Ferroff with seventh sister who tractors things and is a force um second sister with extreme maneuvers ruthless shield upgrade and sensitive controls and an academy tie pilot um to act as i guess a bit of a blocker or something um so in the final, my understanding is his greens were hot, his reds were hotter, and Worms K turned Darth Vader off the board after coordinated boost. But all that said, you don't get to final table by just relying on hot dice. Um, so I, I suspect that um, I sound like such a dad right now, but I'm like, a JS Tumbo? Is that what your mum calls you? Um, but anyway, um, Mr. Tumbo, as he's known to his parents, um, has obviously flown very well. So well, well done him. A um, couple of other lists that um, are worth calling out. There's been a few... Uh, people flying uh, like droid swarms. There's a lot of Vader in this. I mean, the, so these stats are available on, you can either look them up and roll better. They're going to be in List Fortress if they're not already. Um, but there is a lot of Darth Vader, a huge amount of Darth Vader in Americans this. Americans have always liked Vader, um, though, haven't they? Yeah, so a lot of it's Battle yeah. of Yavin Vader. But if you look at it, there was a lot of Battle of Yavin Vader that just didn't quite make it. There was a lot of it that went three two and missed cut, um, or that went you know four and one and then not, got knocked out in the first round of cut. There's a lot of it in the mid tables. There was a few of it in the top tables. You know, obviously there was a Vader defender. Um, there was a quite a few Vader battle of Yavins at the top. So you know some of the players have obviously done well, but um, there wasn't as much. I want to talk briefly about Obi Drew um, and what he did. Um, because he did four U-Wings. Um, 
<laughs> now, he was on stream once, and I think they got through four rounds because he had <laughs> Clan Ren Commandos, which he was moving underneath his U-Wings. <laughs> to, to, so he was having to mark things. And basically, as I, I heard it described by uh, somebody on Discord, that the board surgery was complex. And I was like, but it's four U-Wings. They don't move. They sit still and they spin around and kill things. He was like, no, because there was commandos and they were being moved constantly and, you know, things were shifting and then, you know, they were swinging around the place. And he was playing, I think, on stream against another kind of uh, high, I think it might have been droids or something with Discord missiles and stuff. And, yeah, they got absolutely no turns in. But, um, yeah, four U-Wings. Four U-Wings not just made cut, but actually did reasonably well. Um, so he had Saw, Magfa, Cassian and Benthic. He had... I'm not. You know. What? Benthic. <laughs> <sighs> Have you been waiting since he was released four years ago to make that joke? <laughs> um, so, like, Sol Guerrera gives people offensive rerolls when they're damaged, and U-Wings have got enough hold that that becomes relevant with the child, K2SO. So that's free mods for everybody. False Transponders and Selfless. Magva is a good tech against proton torpedoes because she stops people from re-rolling um, more than one dice. Um, she was carrying the commandos and had a hotshot tail blaster and notorious. Um, so more re-rolls. Then Cassian had Leia. He's clearing stress of people and also being selfless. Oh, rebel selfless, two selflesses. <laughs> and a tactical scrambler, so stick him at the front. Um and then Benthic with Perceptive Co-Pilot and Jinner. So so whoever it is that's getting shot at is going to be focus evaded or two evades and a focus or focus lock evade or whatever. So, um, yeah, four U-Wings. I was about to say what's not to like, but I think there's plenty not to like there. Um, four turns. <laughs> yeah, four turns. The interaction I really like is the commandos give out strain when you go over them, and Magva has Notorious. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for additional mods, I think that's really cool. So you've not unreasonable chance of getting quite a lot of mods on these. Yeah, it um, also makes um, it also makes uh, Republic sad. Uh, commandos because it yeah. strains the things that need to not be strained to use their abilities. So, um, obviously, if you can get them under stuff, um, then it, it, it can be really nasty. Um, a couple of people used things that we've talked around um, in the past few weeks the Galactic Republic um, kind of axis of clones with click control and kickback. Um, I've made a, a couple of appearances and at least one in cut. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I wasn't hugely surprised by anything that was in the top cut of this event, other than by the four U-Wings, I'll be honest. Um, but I'd have been more surprised if the four U-Wings had won, um, which it didn't. Um, but it, uh, I don't know how far he got. Top eight? Oh, the four U-Wings. Oh, uh... top 16. Yeah, he went out in top 16. He lost to Isophane. Yeah, he was bringing... Uh, Seer, Grievous, and I think it's five droids in some iteration of or another. Uh, bear with me, I'll be able to pull up that list. I mean, let's let's have a let's let's have a look at let's have a look at the, the points in top eight because this is actually interesting to me. So the final was a twenty nil uh, apparently, um, 
So, but that's what happens when you K turn your nine point defender off the board, I suppose, <laughs> um, is it doesn't go well for you. Um, the top four was an 18 to 17 and a 16 to 11. Um, the top eight. Do you think if it wasn't the final, you would have just called it a day? Probably. The top eight actually is really interesting because one of the games was 20 to 19, one was 20 to 17, one was 15 all. And then obviously resolved on a on a road roll or dice off. And then one was twenty two to fourteen. So very, very, very tight games in the top. Um and I was actually looking, I think it was the Republic player Starslinger, whoever that is. Is that Tyler Tippett? It is, yeah. Right. So he's lost after a fifteen fifteen draw in top eight, um, with that Republic list. So there you go, uh, a decent player with a good list. And yeah, really interesting to see that actually the four games in the top eight was um, none of them were walkovers. They were all very, very tight games and exactly the same in the top four as well, 16-11 and 18-17. So obviously games that are kind of coming right down to the, coming right down to the wire. Um, and that one, those ones that were all really close was Assault at the Satellite Array. So cool. Anyway, that's uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. It from LVO is that partly having fed and needs to go up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think everybody's everybody's on board with that one. The problem <laughs> is, is if you put him up, then he's seven, and other Vader's also seven. I suppose it becomes a choice, doesn't it? Because other Vader doesn't have the extra shield, and you get to pick what you do with your upgrades. But yeah, it's a it'd be more of a choice. Where at the minute, Battle Evan Vader. I'm going to say I'm not surprised to see names on this list of people that I know to be playtesters have gone all in on Battle of Yavin Vader because it is very, very clearly a very, very strong ship. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all um, that they've I kind mean, of gone, gone in on it. In the same breath, it clearly shows that it's not balanced if it's that much of an obvious choice. The 100%. sneaky one as well that you see a lot of is Flight Commander uh, Obel. Obel, yeah. Obel in the uh, in the tie heavy, which is a really interesting one. I think he's a pilot from um, Hot Shots and Aces Two. Hot Shots and Aces Two, um, and there's some interesting um, some interesting stuff around him. Um, lots of attacks because he gets the bonus attack when somebody takes a damage card, um, and that's really really interesting to tie into sort of. The new Tie Fighters, which yeah, uh, have four hull. He acts as a good linchpin because you have to take him off the board. Because if you take him off the board fast, it minimizes the double taps that he gets to do. And most of his double taps are unmodded or at best single modded. Um, but you're minimizing those by taking him off the board. The problem is, is that unless you've got a couple of proton torpedoes or some other way to roll big dice at him, um, he can just live for a turn too long. Um, he's I-5 as well, so he'll probably get to shoot when he's on one hole before he dies the next turn, which means he'll get to double tap again. Um, well, you're trying to kill him, he's double tapping you, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, while, and while he's doing that, you've got Vader and other whatever else is in the list buzzing around because um, they know that you're focusing all of your firepower into uh, into Ubble. Um, so 
you know, they're able to be a bit more risky with the TIE fighters, shove them into range one, um, or with Vader, shove them into range one, because, you know, you're not going to kill that Vader unless you get four double modded, four dice attacks on him, um, because he's got so much health. Uh, There's no easy choices to that thing that's... Yeah. It's a very good list. It's a very good list. And I know the people playing it are very good players um, who've won stuff in the past. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's top 16 of Las Vegas Open. Um, hopefully, um, I'm just going to blow my own trumpet a wee bit. If the Sith Taker Open, if everybody who's bought a ticket turns up, we'll be bigger. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Not that happy about it or anything, but it's going to be awesome. There's 108 people coming. Oh. Um, <laughs> right. What have we got left to do? Got my question. Is that what? Is, oh, I'll just check my post-it note. Yeah, Liam's question. <laughs> Go, Liam. <laughs> so I've noticed it, especially after our comments on the full Ewing game, is when you're playing a game, how many turns do you expect to get in it and what would you deem a slow play? So I'll oh. go first and give you a bit of time to think. But I think anything under seven turns, unless it hits 20, is a bit slow. Six at the bare minimum. But anything under that, I struggle with. Because playing a turn every just over 10 minutes seems a bit poor. And if I was taking that long, I'd feel for my opponent. And it gets to that point where are you playing a game by yourself or do you want your opponent to have fun as well? So I'd always be aiming between the 8 to 10 range, 8 being the bare minimum, uh, unless I've hit 20. But 9 feels more comfortable for me. How about you, Rich? Oh, thanks. Um, So uh, opinion time, strap in, because this will either be about 10 seconds or about 10 minutes and nowhere in between. You know it's going to be 10 minutes. You you know what it is because I can't do ten seconds. <laughs> um, so it's relative. Anyway, that's your turn. It's on to me. <laughs> ben, if you want to go first, so oh, that, sorry, you know... but I'm only going to say I kind of agree with Liam anyway. So I think it's relative, and it and and saying it depends isn't a good answer. So I, I am going to be a little bit more kind of forthright on some aspects of it. Um, I don't play quickly, but I play a reasonably good speed when I'm doing dials. Um, there are points where the way that my brain works, I need to kind of reset and think in an ordered way about what happens next. And against some opponents, I can feel them getting frustrated and being like, now Anakin shoots. And I'm like, yes, because that's my fours. But I'm trying to work through my, I'm trying to work through my, my triggers to make sure that I'm not missing anything, right? So I'm going right. So I've done that five. Now my next five is did 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 did. And I am the player that sometimes will be like, I forgot to fire that ship because somebody said, right, that's my fours. Then and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because you know it seems fine. And I'm like, oh wait, I had another four kind of thing. Um, so I think that it's not always about the setting of the dials, although the planning phase I think is the bit that takes the longest. Um, it also depends on if you're playing in real life or if you're playing in TTS, which is a bit weird because it kind of usually balances out. But I think that's because in TTS, there's nobody there in front of you looking a bit agitated or sitting bored with all the dials down. Um, <laughs> you don't know. Um, but similarly, on TTS, 
resolution of movements like what we referenced on the u-wing conversation the board surgery doesn't happen in tts right if you move your commandos to forward and turn things and you're doing all sorts of stuff all the bumps get automatically resolved you know what's happened um you know you can you can move on to the dice really really quickly um i think that if I'm playing on TTS, I expect to get seven or eight turns in, unless I'm playing against somebody who's got between six and eight dials, especially if I'm between five and seven dials. Um, like, if you've both got a lot of dials, you might very well do your first two turns really quickly when you're moving up the board and, you know, going for a position. Um, it's then when you get to the right. I've got six ships. They're all different initiative. He's got six ships. They're all different initiative. So now I need to think about road and overlaps and order of movement and preventing bumps and self bumps, depending on road. And is he going to drop bombs? And what happens with all of this kind of stuff? I get why a list like that will take like maybe four or five turns. Why they'll get four or five turns, even on TTS, because essentially you're smashing two big plaza ships into each other and seeing who wins. It's it's very difficult to strategize about it at that point in time. It's usually the person who makes a mistake um, and bumps, self-bumps a ship or something like that. They're the one that loses, right? Um, if I'm playing against somebody who's got three dials and we're at turn three and I think about the time and I realize that there's 20 minutes left. Now, I know that we don't have visible clocks, but you know I've got a watch, it's fine. And I'm like, hang on a minute, this round started at one o'clock and it's now two o'clock and we're on round four and he's got two decimators and vader and i can't damage his decimators because he's still not engaged so he's clearly got a win condition here that is this game doesn't go beyond five turns um then that to me is deliberate slow play and that is the point where you need to have the confidence to call a judge at a tournament to say I know it's quite late in the t in the game now, but he we're on turn five or we're on turn four, and there's like fifteen minutes roughly left, um, and we've fired one round of engagement. So I'd like you to stay here because I think he's deliberately slow playing, um, because he doesn't want me to kill his decimators or his gauntlet or his whatever those big ships that you can't kill. It's like Boba Fett, right? You can't kill Boba in five turns unless you start him on turn one and you get lucky with dice, Boba will not die in a game of X-Wing at the minute. So you put him in your list, that's nine safe points. He can go around scoring points and getting you objectives, and you're pretty confident that nine times out of ten, he's going to live to the end of the game. You're never going to give that up. To me, if somebody's playing that kind of a ship, and they're playing that kind of a list, and they're deliberately playing four or five turns, it is deliberate. It's not, oh, I really need to think about this, humming and hawing about barrel rolls and boosts giving every decision two minutes. Or one thing that I have heard that a relatively well-known American player does, which is reading every card at a trigger point of his own cards to make sure he doesn't miss any triggers, um, playing four rounds and then winning because he flies in, nukes something, gets the points, and they're like, yeah, I was expecting that to happen on turn four. It did, but I was expecting there to be four more turns in which I could try and win the game. Not you know, we played four turns and then I lost because you read your whole list front to back every turn to make sure you didn't miss anything. Um, but I think the, the thing with this is that you need to have the confidence. I've said it before. If you're at a big tournament and you feel like a player is slow playing, 
judges like me at the Sith Taker Open, we don't want players to feel unsatisfied that they've lost a game or dissatisfied, sorry, that they've lost a game because their opponent didn't give them an opportunity to play that game. So at the Open, I, if somebody said to me, we're on turn four and I feel like there's only about 15 minutes left, I would stand and watch that game and be like, you need to play faster. I'll give you a time extension if something's happened that's made you take ages, but you know, you should be on turn six, seven. I mean, I think I average seven or eight turns a game. Sometimes I'll get up to 10 or 12 on TTS where it's actively tracking them. Sometimes, you know, you go, right, well, we've played five turns or four turns and it's over because we've cruised our big alpha strike lists into each other, fired a load of dice, everything's exploded. Somebody's got 20 points, cool. We've come to a resolution, it's fine. Um, but yeah, anyway, there you go. It was 10 minutes. Ben, your turn. <laughs> I, I, I agree with Liam. <laughs> I've right. not really got much to add on it, to be honest. I think it's kind of been covered, hasn't it? Yeah, but I think you also actually said about seven or eight turns after ranting beforehand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, seven or eight turns to me feels fair. Like, if you're going more than that, and I remember pre-version 2.5... Gold Squadron did an analysis of their streamed games. So Dion went back and looked at all of the games that he had recorded on YouTube, or him and some of his mates. And they basically went through and they counted the turns in every game, and they realized that the average number of turns in the game was 11. That was pre-road. So that was faster, because you knew if you were moving first or second. It's significantly lower than that now. There was a game from day one at the Las Vegas Open that I caught a little bit of because uh, a guy I know from online was playing in it and it was turn four and there were 15 minutes left. And they, the two players, one had a four-ship list, one had a five-ship list, but they weren't big thinky lists, you know. Um, and I don't know why it had taken so long. And I just thought to myself, I don't, that, I, that would kill me. I hate that. Like if I was standing opposite either of those players, even the ones that I know, and I'm just like, can you stop talking to your friends and me and set a dial? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> but I, I do think that there are ways to make your, like to move it on a bit, there are ways to make your opponent play faster. And it's something that I've seen top top end players doing the whole time I've been playing the game. Um I remember watching a stream when James Dowdle of the 186 was playing against um, Rasta Mace of the Warlords on like top table or cut of a store championship. And Rasta was losing. And you could tell he was losing because he started vibrating almost constantly. Like he, he was agitated and he was setting his dials in about five seconds and he was going, all right, I'm ready. Come on. I'll be good to go. And James was going, I'm still thinking about a move, thanks. And he was going, all right, no rush, mate, no rush, mate, no rush, mate. I'm good to go. Just when you're ready, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. And and it was that constant kind of, you need to you need to play, basically. Um, because James was like, you weren't moving this fast when you were winning. 
<laughs> you were taking your time when you were winning. But this is the thing. This is the, when it comes down to the game. And that this is part of the game is that when you're winning, you can slow yourself down and make sure you're making the right decisions. When you're losing, you have to take risks and you have to jump into to situations where you, you might lose harder, but it's your Hail Mary pass to get it back again. You can agitate your opponent into playing faster and therefore maybe making a mistake um, or even just setting all your dials, putting them down on the table and saying, I'm set whenever you're ready. Will speed your opponent up. The act of telling them that you're done will speed your opponent up. Even if you then, 10 seconds later, pick a dial up and change it and say, oh, actually, I've changed my mind because we now have that defined moment at the end of planning where you roll three dice. Until those dice have been rolled, you can do what you like. But if you set three dials and say four dials or five dials or whatever, and then say, I'm set, let's go. And they go, okay. You pick your dice up, you roll them. If they say, I'm still thinking, no worries. You've still got thinking time. You can sit and think while they're thinking, but you've sped them up just by telling them you're ready because they don't want you to be waiting. And I think that if a player is deliberately slow playing, that's the point where you'll be able to tell because they will still sit there for five minutes and they will not set a dial. And that's the point, as I said before, we have to call a judge. I just weighed in a bit, so both both from a sort of TO perspective and from a player perspective. Um, I will say that it is a, it's a two-way street and, you know, you, you've already mentioned there, like, you know, one player might have been winning at the start and wasn't rushing and then obviously they, they're losing and now they want to rush. I think you have to look at it over the whole game as well. Um, like if you if you're taking 15 minutes to set your dials at the start of the game, it's very easy to then complain. You know that your opponent's slow playing you at the end of the game. You know if if you're if you're playing a list like you say like decimators, uh, you know, and you know it's going to take several turns to wind those down. You need to make sure that you're on it at the start of the game. And yeah, like you say, setting those dials, getting the, the game moving. I think. As a judge, I would look at it, try and look at it over the whole game. So certainly, when you get to top cut tables, that's a lot easier to do when you're just like the you know, there's not many games for you to watch. But it should be that same consistent pace through the entire game, it, and it's not to say that you, you suddenly get to the end of the game and they take ten minutes of their last turn, but actually that might be the quickest turn that they've played. Yeah. So it is it's very like like it is very tricky to police. Um, if you feel you've got any concerns, you should certainly bring it. Like, don't don't necessarily call a judge straight away, but certainly say to your opponent. You know, I what I tend to do is, like you say, set your dials, and I give them a minute or two, and then I say, you know, are, are you good now? Um, what I think you probably find more easily sort of recognisable to spot for slow play is for stuff like taking a couple of minutes to choose an action it's like once you've executed your maneuver you've placed your ship you know 30 seconds for an action maybe like like if it's just a focus it, it, it you know it's very quick and easy like the only time it's acceptable is you've got like double reposition no no I, I, yeah i was, I was just like you yeah. can be trying to think about the the right way to do it no, absolutely. And I was just about to sort of come on to that and say that there are other actions that do take a bit more, like, you know, there could be coordinates and there could be other things that are going on. But if you are literally just going to do a focus or deciding to take the stressful focus after you bump, you know, that should be a very quick and easy decision. Um, and then same with engagement phase, you know, once you've measured your targets, 
you can have a few seconds to think about and then you're declaring like you might take a bit longer again 30 seconds i think would be quite appropriate um but yeah if, if it's starting to take a couple of minutes like for each shot then you probably are but um i think also less stuff dies as well we find in 2.5 like i know my opponent um moaned at me uh the gsp event this week and i think we started the last turn with about 10 11 minutes left on the clock and i think there must have been at least nine ships on the board and so nine ships to move nine ships to you know to do actions nine ships to shoot you know actually 10 minutes is you know about right I think if you worked out over the whole one and then, then to moan about time at the end of that is like, well, hang on a second. You know, you know, I think 10 minutes is actually not a slow turn with that many ships and stuff on the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think I, I agree with, with that. And, and your point about the, the differential between, you know, setting dials and planning, executing moves, but then like, I, I find myself getting to the point now where if I'm still thinking about an action after about 30 seconds, having put the ship down, I just take a focus because my brain just isn't going to compute anything that's like with any greater finesse. It's like, what action should I take here? Oh, well, I've been thinking about it for too long, so it probably means a focus is the right choice. Um, I know you can't force players to do that, but I've seen an interesting conversation in um, a channel about chess clocks, and I know they used them at a side event at Worlds, um, I think in 2019, um, they did a side event where they there was a chess clock thing. And um, a couple of the people that played in it said that it was hilarious because some of the people who flew weird double repositioning complex lists just lost games because they ran out of time. Um, because, you know, the, cl the clocks were running during dial setting but you only had a limited amount of time for setting your dials and they were stopped when you were executing ship movements and doing dice and resolution and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I think it was Chris Burnett might have been said, you know, he had a list that basically was very straightforward. He did simple moves. He took simple actions. He still had 10 minutes left on his clock when he won a game because his opponent lost um, because he ran out of time because he was having to think about three actions every turn and fancy repositions and what am I going to do? Um, and I don't know if chess clocks in general are the right answer. Um, I know they use them for Legion, um, for competitive play. We, we, we brought chess clocks at in 40k, and it's a very interesting one to bring in because I think it did help. Um, there's an awful lot of interaction, though, in, in like tabletop war games compared to, say... Uh, chess uh, i mean i think x-wing's probably better than 40k because um, you know if you get if you get into uh assault or shooting that you know there's an awful lot of back and forth and you've just got to get very good at you know when it's my time my clock is running but as soon as right it's time for you to make saves i'm pressing that button or you know in x-wing it would be right i'm rolling my red dice it's on my time i now press it and move it across and it is possibly something that it could be looked at, but I don't think, I don't think I mean, slow. I, I say I don't think slow play is as problematic as say forty k. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the 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 proposal that I've kind of heard is that you've got thirty five minutes, and your opponent's got thirty five minutes, um, but you've got your own clock. It's not like a chess clock, basically, but you would essentially set your dials and then stop your clock by 
rolling your red dice and then you stop your clock and say, right, I've done my road roll now. Um, I'm ready to go whenever you are. Um, and then their clock is still ticking down um, until they finish setting their dials. Then when you're executing moves and resolving combat, you don't, neither clock is running. But as soon as you exit the end phase and go back into planning, both of you clock, you start your clocks again and you've got 35 minutes of dial setting time, basically each or 30 minutes or whatever the right number would be. That's how much time you've got. Um, if that clock runs out, you, you still play the game, but you can't interact with your ships in any way other than to roll defense dice. So you don't move them. Um, you don't do stress moves or anything. You just, They just sit there and you roll greens. You can't roll reds. Um, and it's like, yep, if you run out of time, you lose the game. That's how, that's just what happens. Um, but yeah, that sounds fair. Uh, where do you fall in it, Adam? Um, I, to be honest, I think we're all seeing him from a very similar hymn sheet. Um, I do find that shorter games on TTS feel a lot worse. Um, and I think that's just because it is the dial setting point. Um, like that's the bit that will take the time. It doesn't feel so bad in real life. Like I feel like I may have played a four round game yesterday. Um, but that came down to sort of the round times being very on point. And that's not getting set up, and we're probably fifteen minutes in before we move <clears> the uh, finished setting dials for the first round, um, mm. at least. But I feel like on TTS, when there's so such a long period of inactivity, that if you set your dials, you could not be doing anything, and the extent of what you are doing a lot of the time is clicking two buttons. Um, that starts to make it feel a lot worse um, from an enjoyment point of view. Whereas at least if even if even if dial setting takes a while, IRL, you still go through the physical act of doing things during your turn to feel like it makes it feel a little bit better. Um, but I, yeah, I I I'd like at least seven generally in games. Now that sounds bad for somebody who played the four round game yesterday, but that was one of those games that like Tim was talking about where pace of play was consistent all the way through. Um, we were both just taking a little bit of time. And that kind of a late start followed by the game still being up in the air going into the last turn. Kind of probably shaved two rounds off one each side. Yeah, and I think that's also really important from an event point of view as well. And it's one thing I always talk about at the start of events is once you know you get to your table, you've met your opponent, just get on with setup. You know, if you if you're gonna stand around and, and, and chat for five, ten minutes, you know, the way the way I do it and, and I think the best way you, you have to do it for a TO, certainly at any sort of decent sized event, is you start the round timer when the majority of the hall's ready to go. And if a few people have been sort of sort of around chatting, well, sorry guys, you just need to speed up. Um so yeah, what I would say is like by all means say hello to your opponent, have a chat, but you can either be doing that while setting up or uh get set up and then chat. You know, once you, once you're all done, um, I mean, yeah. it, it reminds me of the system opens. To be honest with you, where Vince and Chris would shout, you know, um, right, okay, time, time on or whatever, um, and uh, you'd still be looking at your opponent's list or putting rocks down or putting your cards on your side of the table because you're walking down a, a room that's got 250 tables in it, and you're trying to find 
your table then you've got to walk the whole way back along the big road and come down the other side because your opponent's already on that side um and then and then you know you finally get settled in and then they start the clock and you're still setting up and it's like uh what and i remember watching a game that i think it was first earth streamed where um somebody was playing dash into a, a scum swarm um it must have been version one um they're flying dash into a scum swarm and the game like there was 20 minutes of the round timer gone before they actually started playing because they'd gone to their table, then they'd moved to the stream table, then the streamer had said, don't worry, I'll run you on a separate clock. Then he got told he couldn't run them on a separate clock because that would put the entire event out of whack by 20 minutes. So he was just going to run. So they only ended up playing a 55-minute game. They got four or five turns in. Dash popped or halved a couple of scum ships while running away and won because the scum ships couldn't get to him because they didn't have enough rounds. Um and I mean, if you're running a big event, you need to be that strict with time. And this is the thing, like people requesting a time extension um, doesn't really work because if you request a time extension and the judge says, right, fine, you can have another 10 minutes, that's another two rounds or well, one round probably. But then if before 10 minutes is up, they get into planning for a second one, then that time extension is actually 20 minutes, not 10. Um, and the whole event is then sitting around waiting for those two guys down on table 42 um, to finish playing before they can get paired in. Um, so you, you can't really do it. But I mean, it's yeah. It's a I, in Marvel Crisis Protocol events as well for the exact same reason that they're all called time. And if someone's just in the plan in the in whatever the first phase is called now, I can't remember. You kind of have to play the entire round out, but an entire round of that takes so much longer than an entire round of X-wing, even two point five X-wing. That if you end up playing, sort of, there's like an ongoing discussion around what to do around time, um, and how how long you can let people play for at the end, because you can end up adding sort of half an hour plus onto a game. Um, just by time being by allowing people to play out the round that they're on, and in an event, it's horrible. Yeah. Okay. I think we've been talking for far too long. Anyway, I can feel um, our listenership getting bored of the fact that we've been going for nearly two hours on what was going to be a short one. So, um, apologies. <laughs> well, it felt like um, it felt like a decent content and something interesting to talk about good question liam thank you um i'm not going to do any kind of final wrap-ups unless any of you have got anything that you want to talk about desperately no i think i'm good sweet uh so in that case uh i'm gonna say goodbye from uh, i'm gonna come to tim in a minute so you can get yourself off mute because you did talk um i'm gonna start off with a goodbye from ben bye uh goodbye from liam toodles Goodbye from Tim. I was already off me. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye to special guest Adam. Bye. Uh, goodbye from me. Ta-da. Um, Martin was uh, uh, <laughs> Liam suffering from packet loss. Of the job himself this time, <laughs> so he sent Chris after me successfully. Oh, oh God! That's, someone's got a haunted laptop somewhere else. Uh, it's you. <laughs> yeah.
Am I back? Yeah. We, we kind of heard bits of it, and it sounded a bit robotic. So I'm sure that there's... Um... Okay, let me go again. It's okay. If you want to do an um, OnlyFans page for Liam Talks Like a Robot, you're right on the money. Let's go. Also, also send pictures of my feet. <laughs> oh, I bet they're awful. Pay off your mortgage. Like, no, cement, you like, like breeze blocks. But I'm just sure people like... Sweaty. Right, let oh, Every, right. I'm go, I'm gonna talk overweight Ellen's feet. I'm gonna t- <laughs> 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 All right, 